Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to Branching Out, an upbeat, friend-building, Christian-uniting ministry. And today we have a special treat for you. We are starting some new episodes, which we are calling Deep Roots, and we are digging deep roots into Scripture. And really what we're trying to do uh, through these Deep Root episodes is to bring our Bible study to you. We know that oftentimes um, our Bible study occurs at times that's just not good for people, particularly those that are international listeners. And so I've asked my husband, uh, Pastor Hal, to join me on these episodes and to kind of conduct them like we do our Bible study in a very conversational way uh, and kind of an informal way. But before we launch into this, I just want to give you uh, some information on my husband. So. Uh, We have been married since 1985, and he is a graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary, and he is also, he's correct me, 84, that's correct, we've been married since 84, our first child was born in 85, but um, he is a graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary, and he is also a graduate of Yale Divinity School, and so he is the pedigreed one in our marriage, I have to tell you, I am not, I am kind of the mutt. But um, so I do really rely on him. He has been my husband. He has been my pastor for all of these years. And so uh, this is the first time, though, this year with the pandemic that we have actually done a Bible study together. Uh, Usually he does those during the daytime hours while I'm working. But because of the need to do these by Zoom, we uh, move them to Tuesday evenings. So today we are going to start, and uh, it's going to seem kind of unusual that we're starting at the place where we are, but we're going to start with John 11, and that is the death of Lazarus. And the reason that we're starting there is, um, although it's a strange place to start a Bible study, you have to start somewhere, right? And uh, secondly, we noticed that when we did this, we had such great conversation that that kind of gave us this idea to say, maybe we should go ahead and turn this part into a podcast once a week as well. And so we're going to try this out and see how it works and uh, see if you all uh, appreciate the Bible study that we are doing in this way. We also want to encourage you, although this is not live, to uh, send us any questions that you have send us any comments that you have. And again, you can do that at lisa at branchliving.com. So if this discussion stimulates additional questions for you or stimulates uh, you to think about things you would like us to know more or just your comments, um, please do send us send those our way. So we're going to start today uh, on John 11, and I'm going to start by reading verses 1 through 5. And then I'm going to uh, just ask some questions of my husband, Pastor Hal, um, that we were discussing in our Bible study to just kind of engage in this conversation. Um, Before we get started, though, in John 11, I am going to ask you to join me in prayer uh, that God's uh, Holy Spirit will come upon us during this podcast and that um, he he will be present in our midst. So please, uh, let's take a minute and get centered in the presence of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to take a step back from our daily living, our daily duties, and to discuss your word. Uh, We know that that is the soil of our lives. We know that we can always turn to you for wisdom and insight. We also know that where two or more are gathered, that you are in the midst. And so we know 
that uh, you have made that pledge to be in the midst of this Bible study today. So we say, come Holy Spirit, inspire us in your word and bring us together. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So I will start by reading John 11, um, verse 1 through 5. And again, this is titled The Death of Lazarus. I am reading from the NIV. So as you, if you are reading along with us, you might have a little bit of differences in the scripture passages that you are referencing if you use a different version of the Bible. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, the, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So I'm going to ask um, Pastor Hell, could you just set the context for us? Where is Jesus right now? Well, we know he's not with them. So where is he? And what is he doing when he receives the news that his friend Lazarus is ill? Well, Jesus is essentially getting some emotional respite and some spiritual renewal away from Jerusalem. He's had some really powerful confrontations with the religious authorities, which you will read about in chapters 9 and 10. Uh, just one verbal battle after another. Um, their hatred toward him has been reaching a fever pitch. And he essentially decides to go back to his roots. He goes back down to the south of the Jordan River, down in the region where you would find Masada and the Dead Sea, very desert, rocky desert area. And the villagers in those desert villages remember Jesus from the days when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, this man, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. So when he goes back down there, they throw open their doors. They are thrilled to see him. It's been a long time since he's visited them, and he is welcomed and given hospitality. And of course, it's a very desert area, so he has lots of time alone. He can go off anywhere and be by himself. So he's down there essentially getting emotionally prepared for what he knows lies ahead, which is the cross. You know, he knows what's going to happen when he goes back to Jerusalem. He's just kind of getting himself ready for that and enjoying the presence of people who like him and are happy to have him. And then this message comes, which would mean he would have to return back to Jerusalem, back to everything that he has distance himself from for a few weeks. So it's, it's actually Bethany he's going to, so that's just outside of Jerusalem, yeah, Bethany right? is actually slightly north of Jerusalem, so he's going to have to go from down south, way down in the southern part of the Jordan River, he's going to have to go all the way back up, either through or around the city, where all the hostility is, to Bethany. Mm. 
And so I guess one of the questions that came to mind when we were doing this Bible study, and I don't think I was the one that asked it, but I think it really is worth discussing. And that is, you know, he gets this terrible news and yet we find that he waits four days before beginning this return trip. Why does he take so long to get up and start heading toward Bethany? Well, we're going to come across this issue again when we get to the grave. But Jesus knows that Lazarus is dying, although he doesn't exactly tell the disciples that. And the Jews, when he arrives there, he discovers, he knows, but when he arrives there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. And that number four is very important because the Jews believed that after a person died, the spirit hovered around the body, even if the body was in a grave, hoping that it can get back into the body. But after four days, the spirit left. So a person wasn't considered truly dead until four days after the burial. So when Jesus arrives, Lazarus is really dead you know, according to everyone's belief. So what you're saying at this point of the story, um, we don't, we know that a lot more when we get to the grave. Yes, but at, right. at this point of the story, you when we when we reflect back though, we know that the reason he waited was so that there was no doubt in anyone's mind that Lazarus was truly dead. I mean, that this wasn't one of these things where he was really asleep or in a coma or, you know, because this takes away even the, belief that some of the Jews had that the spirit was hovering. I mean, at this point, according to the Jewish belief, the spirit was gone. He, right. This body was cold, this body was dead, and there was no doubt in anyone's mind. So right. this is part of why he's waiting. We can see that looking back. Right. But the important thing to recognize here, though, is I'm sure his disciples wondered, well, why aren't we getting going right now? Mm-hmm. You know, we have to deal with the fact we often don't understand why the Lord does what he does, especially if it's if it, if it doesn't seem right in our eyes. Or if you it know. doesn't seem like it's on our time frame. Yes, right. I mean, I experience that all the time. It's like, you know, if God can do anything, why isn't he doing it in this moment? Right. And when, when, when he gets, when he does arrive at Bethany and the two sisters come out, one at a time to meet him, the first thing they say is, if you had only been here earlier, our brother wouldn't have died. Right, and we're coming to that. Yeah. We're coming to so, that. So, you know, they, so they, don't understand. they don't understand why he took so long either. Right, right. Yeah. I think it's a really valuable lesson for all of us because, I mean, um, Jesus, we do know that God does not work on our time frame. Um, but it appears from this story that it's not just for those of us who are you know, thousands of years later, it's for his own friends that he oftentimes didn't seem like he was working on their time frame either. And uh, I think that's a valuable lesson. The outside of the disciples, these were probably his closest friends, yeah. very closest friends. And he waited Four in this days. case too. So before we, we move ahead with the next uh, series of verses, one more question that we discussed in our Bible study was um, when Jesus says that his friend's illness happened for the sake of the glory of God, so that God's Son should be glorified. 
Um, I don't know if we're actually on that part yet. Yes, we are. Okay, so according to scripture, I'm just going to read it here. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Um, so should we presume that this is true for every occasion when we suffer illness or affliction or loss? Well, it might be a much better way of dealing with those things if we looked to see how God might be glorified in them. That isn't, I mean, that's a very difficult question because we don't want to believe that God is so obsessed with his own glory that he's going to cause bad things to happen to people. But at well, the in, same in, time, yeah. In this case, though, it's probably, I mean, I, what I took, and just let me, let me know if this is correct, um, God's glory in this case was to further the kingdom. It wasn't to further his own glory. It was because it was very important that people knew that God raised people from the dead, right? Right. Well, that Jesus raised people from the right. dead. Right. Yeah. So I guess that, that does, though, lead us to question whether or not sometimes our own suffering and our own illness has another purpose in the lives of those around us. Exactly. Yeah, and, and so I think that that is, you know, significant in this verse, that we are only five verses in, and, and the rich meaning of what, how we can apply these to our lives. Well, most of what happens in our life that causes us grief is because we don't see the sense in it. And it really helps to believe, even though we don't know what the sense is, to believe that there is meaning behind the things that happen in our lives, even the things that seem meaningless. Um, right. So. And I'm certain to these two sisters, um, their only brother, this young man, I mean, he was a relatively young man, we assume, his death must have seemed completely meaningless. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that, that this is a huge event in their lives. Um, they look to the person who they think is God, is the Messiah. I mean, they may not know he's the Messiah yet, but they certainly know that he is a holy, holy person. And they look to him knowing that anything he asks, the Father will do. And yet, he's nowhere around. Right. And that's the important thing. He's nowhere around when they need him. Right. Which is what we often feel. Right. We all have situations where, you know, God just doesn't seem to be there when we need him. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean he isn't, but that's how we feel it. Right. And interestingly, that here Jesus is, uh, you know, many miles away, knowing, hearing this has happened, and in knowing what his role is going to be, really, in essence, knowing that this is happening. And um, I think that gives us comfort, though, too, because we feel he's not there. We feel he doesn't understand. But when we look at this through Jesus's eyes, he knows what's going on. He, he's intentionally letting time elapse um, because it's for everybody's betterment, for the glory of God, that we all see resurrection as a real thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, excellent. Um, so we'll just do a few more verses uh, now. So why don't we go on and do uh, verses 6 through 10. And I will go ahead and finish reading this. So we just ended. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. 
And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. So, you know, what are, what are we learning from this verse? Well, this is one of the many things Jesus says, especially in John's Gospel, that seem kind of rather cryptic, you mm -hmm. know, difficult to uh, pin down. Um, I think the part about walking in the light, the disciples, again, it probably makes no on one hand it makes no sense to them that he's waited four days on the other hand that they're really happy that he hasn't waited that he's waited because it's going back there after he's just left jerusalem to get away from all the the heat um they know that he's you know it's a great danger to all of them if he should go back so you know they have mixed feelings and it doesn't make much sense that he should go back and risk. He's, they're really thinking of themselves, too, because, sure. you know, they, he almost got killed before he left, and uh, they imagined the thing could happen again, and they could get killed also. So they're not really anxious to go back up there either. And Jesus, I think what he's saying, this is my own opinion, I'd like to hear yours, too, mm -hmm. <laughs> dear one. Um, I think what it means is when you're in a situation and you don't, you know, you're doing something dangerous, you, you hope you're doing the right thing, you, um, if you're doing it, if you're walking with Christ and what you're doing is led by Christ, then, then it is the right thing, it, because he is the light. When you're with the light and not in the darkness, you don't need to be afraid. and. The disciples are scared of what could happen to all of them if they go back to, through Jerusalem. And Jesus is saying, I'm with you, and while I'm with you, you don't need to be afraid. I'm the light. Don't worry about all that darkness, because the darkness isn't going to get you when I'm mm -hmm. with you. I think that's what he's saying. But again, it's very mysterious, you know, it, you have to just... But, Right. I think you have to answer that question in light of the context where the disciples are rather upset about heading back up into all that danger. Right, and I guess I would only add that I think that he, he uses the situation in verse 9 where he says, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. So I think he's, he's now established that, that it's better to walk in the daylight in this world, right? right. But I think he moves into the spiritual realm in the next verse when he says, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Right. I agree with you. I think that he starts off with the worldly reality, but then he moves inward. And he does that all the time yes, in he his does. talking. He, yeah, he, he's, yeah he, he moves back and forth between this world and the, spirit, and the, the greater spiritual world. And right. And one of the things... This we, world's light and his light and... One of the things we talked about 
um, when we first started, John, that you kind of let us know, maybe you want to talk about that for just a minute, is um, that John was the youngest of the disciples when all this was happening, and now he's writing this decades after Matthew, Mark, Luke. He's writing his uh, on a reflective note, so he's not in the situation just describing a story. He's had time now to process who Jesus really is, and so he really does kind of do this toggling message oftentimes where he's in the world and in the story, but now he's an older man reflecting back on the story. Did you want to say anything about that? Well, this is, this is um, true, that John is reflecting on the story as he tells it, and, it's, and he doesn't distinguish <laughs> when he's talking or when Jesus is talking necessarily because... He's had all this time to process what Jesus did and said, and and he is looking at it all from a perspective the other gospel writers didn't have when they wrote their gospels. Right, so we get the story, but we also get John's perspective on the story decades later, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's a blended story for that reason, that there's a story beneath the story, and he doesn't always, he kind of uh, leaves it up to the reader to see and to infer where he's going with that. So, well, this has been great. And it, this 20 minutes went by really super fast. And you can see, this is what I was telling those who listen to the podcast, that we oftentimes, um, in our Bible study, we aren't racing to the finish. We're really trying to uh, talk this through and discuss what this means to us and really learn uh, from each other. We also, of course, consult um, different commentaries and we ask everybody to pull their commentary out and some people have the commentary embedded in their work I know you do some work and on different translations times. too because sometimes it's interesting to discuss why it's translated one way and one yeah exactly exactly so we're gonna we will hopefully do this again it's been a pleasure to be with each one of you to give you kind of a taste of what the um, Branch Living Bible Study course is like and uh, to give you some um, exposure to my husband who leads this. And so we invite you always uh, to come Tuesdays at 7, and you can get a linked invitation to it. Again, it's 7 Central American time. You can get a linked invitation to it by just uh, writing me at lisa at branchliving.com. Again, if this doesn't work for you in terms of actually participating in the Bible study, you can ask your questions, and we will certainly discuss those as well. So I'm going to conclude our time today uh, with prayer and uh, just will say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together to talk about your word. Thank you for Jesus who uh, stands apart from our suffering, but yet is part of our suffering. So we know that he is involved even when we don't see him, even when we don't feel him, even when we don't understand why things are taking place the way they are. We see within this story that all we need to do is trust. We need to trust the fact that he is there, that this suffering has a purpose, and that at some point we will understand things much more clearly. And we thank you, Lord, for your precious word. In your name we pray. Amen. So again, thank you for being with us. We hope to do this weekly. And I just want to say until we get together again, stay close to God, stay in touch. And I will chat with you again soon.